नमो ब्रह्मादिभ्यो ब्रह्म विद्या संप्रदाय कर्तृभ्यो वंश ऋषिभ्यो महद्यो नमो गुरुभ्या शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाषीकृत वंदे भगवंतौन ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेति मूतिवेद विभागिने व्योमवत्याय दक्षिणामूर्त नम शांतिमंत्र ओमाप्यायन्तुमामकानिवाक्प्राणचक्षुत्सोत्रमथोबलमिन्द्रियाणिचसर्वाणिसर्वंभ्रम्मौपनिषतं्माहंभ्रम्मनिराकुर्यां
king of the demons or those materialistic people they thought that the physical body is the atma which is seen as a reflection in all these places and then they believed in that you know taking care of the body both for this life and even after death when the cremation is being done for the body that should be taken care so that you know all the desires and try that body can travel to all the world but indra was not very convinced about it he did the mananam on that he thought about it and he found that this change of the purusha when i am seeing him before being worn my official attire the kingly death attire and before and after wearing the dress the the person has changed so whereas the statement from prajapati says that that which doesn't change so how can the same reflection which is seen is the atma so there also indira was only concentrating on the way in which it is being reflected upon seen in the object he did not get into the finer aspects of the statement of prajapati which he said that the one which is seen in the reflections now what is the word within the inverted commas of the one which is seen in the reflections is not understood by indra so he came back then he was told that the one which is seen in the dream the one who we moves into the dream and comes into the waking he is that atpurusha that atma which is to be understood then only we indra was there virochana was not there anyway virochana has you know stopped such searching further because he was happy with the first answer itself not taking its full import so indra went back again the third time the first time he came he was told the the vision the akshipurusha the one person seen in the reflection second time he was told that that what is the the person who is moving into the dream and coming to the waking that is the thing that, that time he had it he when he did the mananam on that he found out that this person which is moving from waking and then going to the dream cannot be the same atma because when it is killed in the waking it is not killed in the dream or if it is killed in the dream it is not dying in the waking not does the defects of like the now losing an eye or a limb etc doesn't reflect in both the places how can this physical body be or the person who is seen as the dreamer and the waker be the same so there is some you know inconsistencies as far as the pain and the hunger etc felt between the dreamer and the waking so he said that i do not see any 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 meaning or any worthful message i can see which will indicate me or make me understand what is this atma so prajapati he goes back to prajapati and says sir i do not see any merit in what you said because there are differences between the waker and the dreamer so prajapati says dear indra so it be i'll explain to you this further spend another 32 years this that will make it 64 plus 
96 hours 96 days uh, years in his uh, you know brahmacharya vrata so then he says that one before coming to that tat yatra etat supta samastha samprasanna swapnam na vijanati esha aantmeti ha uvacha etat amrutam abhayam brahmeti saha shantahrudaya pravaraja saha amat aprapti aprapi eva devan tadvayam bhayam darsha na aha khalu ayam evam samprati atmanam vijaniti ayam aham idi asmi iti no iva imani bhutani vinasham eva apito bhavati na aham atra bhogyam pasyami again he is now returned and asked that what you said is this atma is in the deep sleep what you said that is also not correct that which is fully in the sleep or in the in the act of taking rest in the deep sleep without any any waking or dream or any experiences in it you say that is the alpha but there is something which is not very clear because it is it appears to me it doesn't know the self even though it is there all by himself and he has no knowledge of anything it seems as if the atma or the person has gone through a negation or annihilation or a destruction and there is nothing which i can see which is indicating toward the atma which you have said where he can travel to all the world he can access any world he wants and all his desires gets fulfilled and all those now you are telling something that is different from me that which is in the deep sleep has no experience of sorrow of any kind or does it have a happiness of any kind nor does it feel that it is affected by anything the things which is affecting the waking and the dream is not there in the deep sleep therefore he has no grief the person in the deep sleep has no grief also or no what you call sorrow any care of any nature and there is no fear of death or birth for that person in the deep sleep so in all put together if it is if in all sense that the sleeping state of is is freedom from all the turmoils of the physical world and the dream world and everything but there is something which is missing neither it knows what it is nor does it know, i mean it know that anything else other than that this complete annihilation or the absence of a person a person who is acknowledging or knowing how could this be atma this type of atma is no good because he has no knowledge you say that he is a sarvajna he must be knowing everything so what sort of an atman is that what you are saying sir i cannot understand that so he he go back to prajapati again and ask say that he prajapati says that okay indra you seem to have satisfied when you i told you about the deep sleep now why you have come back again asking these questions so please 
stay with me for another five more years and doing the brahmacharya and the the manan all those which he has told in the earlier stage i'll explain to you further but none other than that is what is i have been telling even from the first statement of atipurusha of the wakers the reflection in the eyes or the or the world in the on the dream world the person is is being experienced nor that one which is there in the deep sleep so please stay for another 5 years i'll explain to you then in the 12th section he starts the real teaching of what is atma magavan martyam va idam shariram aptam mrutyuna tat asya amrutasya sharir asharirasya atmanah adishthanam apto vai sa sharira priya priyabhyam navai sa sharirasya satah priya priyoho apahati asya shariram bhava vasandam na priya priyo prashata indra please listen to me this body which i told you in the waking the dream and the deep sleep it is enveloped and overwhelmed by changes which is indicating what we call it as death any change is the death of the previous state so how could you think that this physical body is atman even though i have been indicating you what is the atma which you should see when you are seeing the reflection in the waking the person in the dream and the entity which is in the deep sleep you have not been able to understand because all the three are replacing one another which means one has to die for the other to come into existence the waker dies the dreamer comes the dreamer dies the deep sleeper comes the deep sleeper dies the waker comes or dreams anything this way one replacing another is annihilation of the bodies of the each of the state of experience so individuality is subject to death anything that is visible particular individual or finite cannot be the atman which you are which you are thinking you know about it and you have been going back happily neither did the mind you did your mananam was capable of knowing the atman because the reason is that the the limitation of the mind cannot be utilized for measuring the infinite with a limited thing you how can you access an infinite so then the question came to indra then what sort of consciousness can be can we imagine as what sort of awareness it can be or what is that with which the mind cannot accept but at the same time it is there is beyond one's individuality but at the same time can we say it is unaware of something no but it is all the time awareness 
the awareness is the atman about which we have to know indra i have been asking you to give attention to the awareness in the waking state in the dream state in the deep sleep state there is a changeless one in the waking which has been seeing the reflection there is an awareness with which you have been seeing the reflection in the dream there is an awareness with which you are experiencing the difference between the waking and the dream in the deep sleep also the awareness was there by itself with which you knew that it is a state of annihilation or because there was nothing else to be known it was all by itself now imagine if the sun rays which is now falling on to the all the planets around the sun which is the reason why everything else is seen a situation suppose if the sun rays are going back to the sun itself it is there but it is not going ex outward but inward to itself when the sun is shining with the rays moving inwards it cannot be mentally we cannot imagine how it can happen but hypothetically let us say that if the if the light from the sun has not been emitting outside but getting collapsed back into the sun itself will there be planets which will be illumined will there be star or you know meteors or anything which is there around it which will be illumined no but that doesn't mean the sun is not shining same is the case in the deep sleep when the awareness was absorbing the awareness itself it was not projecting anything or trying to look anything external it was content in itself it was remaining ad adhered to itself or you know looking or absorbing in its own glory therefore it was aware of its existence but at the same time it was not knowing anything ex existing outside it it is impossible to conceive this bodilessness of existence with anything that is related to the body through the body we cannot imagine a state of bodilessness the difficulty is that when the body vanishes this bodiless existence is similar to the absorption in itself this is beyond the conception of the mind because mind is part of the body and what the body senses whether it is through the mind or the sense organs it can think only in the realms of its own potencies or capacities of measurement because it's an instrument so how can we imagine what is bodilessness or beyond the body limitations so the injunction of prajapati that the bodiless existence is free from all the pangs of pleasure and play vava priya priya vasantam nasprashataha it doesn't touch 
or it doesn't contaminate the bodylessness state because contamination pleasure and pain is for the body it cannot be easily intelligibly made understandable or intelligible to the mind because the cognition which we know is of only bodily existence so what happens is how can the asharira what is the bodiless atma which is being mentioned by prajapati indra was listening with full attention prajapati is telling about it so the atman is not an abstraction in the physical existence nor mind can think about it the physical bodies the physical sense organs we know that each one of them have limitations to measure only a certain aspect of creation the eyes can see on the light or the forms the sound alone the touch like that we know all these things even the total agglomeration of all these things put together the total feeling of an object with the light sound touch etc etc by the mind is also limited by what inputs the mind gets from the sense organs can the mind think about something which is not in the realm of the five sense organs it can imagine a complex situation but it will be still within the space and time or one of the sense organs will be reflected in that so a bodiless state or asharira avastha of the atman or the the state beyond the body existence or a non physical situation beyond space and time can never be fathomed by the mind that is the reason why we cannot imagine that what is atma because through the mind we cannot yato vacho nivartande aprapya manasasaha the words cannot be used for describing that and even the mind cannot reach that area mind is supposed to be the most you know pervasive in nature it can it can imagine pervasive of the space also can be thought in the mind so mind is subtler than the space and it has more pervasiveness but a bodiless existence of the atma is beyond the capacity of the mind so what does how can then we it can be it can be made understandable or how can we know about it the, the impersonality of being because personality means body 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 limited state experiences of the body and the related to the body how can we now understand about the impersonal nature of atma which is to be understood so for that prajapati gives some examples संप्रसाद अस्मा शरीर समुत्थाय 
परम ज्योति उपसंबद्य स्वेन रूपेण अभिनिषिबद्य स उत्तम पुरुष स त्र पर्येति जशत्न रमन स्त्री उपजनम स्मरन इदम शरीरम स यथा प्रयोग्य आचरेण युक्ता एवं एवं अयम अस्मिन् शरीरे प्राणायुक्ता सो हियर ही सेइंग दैट दिस इज समथिंग व्हिच इज उत्तम पुरुष ए सुप्रीम बीइंग बट हाउ डस इट इट इज टू बी नोन एज शरीरात समुत्ताय परम ज्योति इट इज द नेचर इन व्हिच द हाईएस्ट लाइट इट इज नॉट द लाइट ऑफ द सन even the sun is existing because of the light of the atma when that is why when we are when we are able to perceive the existence of the sun it atma has to perform through the body mind and intellect to know the existence of sun even the sun shines by itself but this light which we are talking about is the light of the knowledge not the light of the sun you know the physical light which we are talking about the pure consciousness or the awareness which enlightens everything in this experience is reflected through the mind but atman which is beyond that cannot be a reflection in the mind because mind can only think from the point of view of what is called the bodyless bodyness body limited so one has to rise above the three states of physical subtle and causal that is waking dream and deep sleep all the three states are within the realm of the bodies so only one when he can go beyond the state of deep त्रिषुदामसु यद्भोग्यं वोक्तावो वस्तेयद्भवे तेभ्यो विलक्षणसाक्षी चिन्मात्रोहं सदाजीव आई एक्सप्लेन दिस अर्लियर दैट थ्री स्टेट्स ऑफ वेकिंग ड्रीम एंड डीप स्लीप एंड ईच वन देयर इज अ सब्जेक्ट ऑब्जेक्ट एंड द एक्ट ऑफ एक्सपीरियंस सो ऑल द थ्री इन द थ्री स्टेट्स टोटली नाइन नाइन एंटिटीज बियॉन्ड दैट ओनली व्हेन इट इज गॉन beyond that level one has, when he rises above these limitations of the physical subtle and the causal thing atman is apparently known it is not known directly but as an apparent apparent knowledge of the existence of which cannot be denied how does it that it is it is a state of not unconsciousness or it is not the state of non apprehension of the deep sleep even that becomes one of the three states of waking the subtle the gross subtle and the you no know, causal state so the word which is here used in this is the param jyoti और उत्तम पुरुष सो द लिमिटेशन ऑफ द लैंग्वेज विथ विच वी आर नाउ सो मच 
what you call clutched by the mind and intellect to even fathom how in how it can be brought to an understanding becomes very difficult for the even the upanishad to explain why how how can that param jyoti or the self luminosity or universal luminosity it is not the jyoti which we have familiarity with that that is where the language comes into a problem when i said that even the sun is illumined by that it is not a light which is brighter than the sun no not that way it is that light of knowledge in which even the sun gets an existence not only the sun everything in the world which is being perceived in the waking dream and deep sleep is being illumined by this param jyoti or atma jyoti therefore it is the self of everything in the universe that in that self awareness the awareness of that existence of knowledge of the atma everything else is existing so it is in that light everything becomes enlightened that it is in that knowledge everything becomes known tasya bhasa sarvam idam vibhati which we have studied in the earlier upanishads that is the one which is being told by indra to indra by prajapati here such is your true being your indra to which you seek the initiation as to what is this atma we are talking about it is the true serenity and composure of yourself it is not only that light but it is the shanta atma or composure with which you are self is and it doesn't need anything else as a adhisthana or a support it stands by its own right that is the real state and this is the freedom what is called the atma swarajya or you know the the you know the the monarch of your own kingdom or the freedom ultimate freedom which we are talking about indra is now speechless and listening to the master prajapati he is he is not able to you know deny what the prajapati is saying he is not at the same time he he cannot ele- elevate himself or take up himself to the level what prajapati is explaining what is the freedom which is prajapati is talking about it is the freedom not conditioned by any sort physicality subtleness or even the causal nature of existence is not capable of tying down the nature of self or the knowledge of the self because it is only in that even those things become functional or operational 
So as long as we have this feeling of the body, there is no freedom. And to know that freedom, you have to go beyond the senses, the mind, the intellect and everything to a state where you stand in your own glory. That Purusha, Uttama Purusha glory which is referred in the Bhagavad Gita also. You have to be in that state to know that, that glory of yourself. Prajapati says, this is the great truth, O Indra. This is the Atman. Now, do you understand what Atman is? This is the Supreme Person, if you want to call it as a person, because it, even the word person has got a limitation in the language, linguistic color. It is not even a person, actually. We call it as a person only by way of expression, for the purpose of explanation, so that, you know, understanding for the immature mind to 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 you know use as a pole to vault himself to the boundaries of what you call supernatural or even beyond the what is the transactional that is the supreme being now this is supreme being what is being mentioned is also mentioned as as the state of the Jivan Mukta because the one who has used the wall or using this methodology elevated himself he is freedom he is the nature of freedom and he is the one who has been freed from the bodiless body limitations and bodilessness is known only by such a person. So the commendator says, these descriptions pertain to the life of spiritual freedom. Sometimes we call it as Jivan Mukti. In the language of Vedanta, this state is known as Jivan Mukti, which means spiritual liberation when the body is, even the body is apparently not being experienced. There are umpteen descriptions of Jivan Mukti in, in umpteen ways which is used in the Veda, different Vedanta Shastra. But there is a limitation for all these descriptions because they are only as, uh, uh, touching the freedom from one aspect or the other aspect, not from the total, total point of view from the Jivan Mukta's point. So, some people say that the existence of the Jivan Mukta is from the point of view of others. Because when you are asked, taking one aspect of the freedom, bodilessness of the Atman, when you are trying to explain it with reference to the body, you are not actually talking about the state of the Jivan Mukti or the freedom of the Atman, which we are talking about. Brahmavit Brahmaiva Bhavati, the Brahmavit or the Atmavit. One who knows the Atma becomes Atma himself because there is no difference between him, the one who knows it and one who becomes it. Because knowing and being are the same in such a case. That is why he is called a Jivan Mukta. He is free from the body. Jiva, he is the Jiva is the Jiva and Mukta are the two words used here. Jiva is the apparent identification with the body. 
Mukta means one who has freed with the identification of the body, whether it is the waking dream or deep sleep. He is all the time free from the three because he has risen above the limitations of the body. We cannot say whether he himself is aware of his body or not, because we have not become him to say that. But as we see them, as long as we others see that, there is an existence for him, movement for his body, and then individually supposed to be free from the body at the same time, he is existing in the body from the point of view of others, not from his point of view. So the bodilessness which has been told about the Atma cannot be easily understood unless we leave our limitations of the body and rise above the limitations of the body and the limitations of it, which has been explained in the three states by Prajapati as the waker, the dreamer and the deep sleeper. And we know that he, this bodiless entity, the Atma, is indeed the one which is present in the waking, it is present in the dream, it is present in the deep sleep, but it is not touched by the waking, nor the dream, nor the deep sleep. Asariram, because he has no body relation. He sees the body separate from himself. He is no more the bodied person, individuality. He doesn't think that he is a waker. He doesn't think that he is a dreamer. He doesn't think that he is a deep sleeper. He knows his waking. He knows his dream. He knows his deep sleep. Yet what knows is different from the knower. Therefore, he has seen his state of bodilessness and that freedom of body limitations when entanglements are broken he has established himself in the state of bodilessness so becomes very very difficult for mentally to conceive this thing no one can explain these things unless one goes to that state personally we have to elevate ourselves to that state of bodilessness or unattached state of the body. These experiences of a Jivan Mukti is the freedom of attainment and achievement, which is what I was talking in my first statement, Ye Atma, Apahatapatma. So Apahatapatma means one who has done away, one who has no Papa, Punya, anything in the world. Apahatapatma means that is the one. So the Papa and Punya is all of the body. So one who has gone beyond the body, ya Atma, Apahatapatma, is what is the state of achievement of the Jivan Mukti or the freedom from the body. What sort of a freedom? It is not a freedom of anything that one likes in the sense of license given to immature individual which who thinks that, you know, the freedom of a monarch or the freedom which is the, you know, what Katopanishad told, uh, you know, what he, Yama told the Nachiketas, think of the, the youth which is not touched by any disease and ever enjoying the, the pleasures of the youth, 
with all the world under him, all the gold, pleasures, women, the vehicles, the, the horses, the palaces, the pleasures, everything is under him. This is what the maximum an individual immature mind can think. But it is not even that. It is freedom from that which beyond that immature mind can even think. It comes on account of knowledge of the depths of everything. Not only a knowledge of in the sense of ordinary accumulation of physical things or in logical things or intellectual things. It's an insight into the nature of reality by being the reality itself. Very difficult for mentally consume this. You are the reality, you are the existence, you are the awareness. Not through the body, not by the mind, not by the intellect. To understand this, what behavior of this person would be in respect to others, we have only to imagine. We cannot imagine his statement, his state, but at the same time, what instrument we have got is only this mind with which we can even extrapolate and imagine. Such an identity of existence, which is beyond the limitations of this physical body, can be a stretch of imagination, which maximum thing is that when we, when the Upanishad says, no, yatrana anya pasyadina, anya chrunodina, anya dhijana, bhuma, bhuma vaisukam. That state where there is nothing other than that. You are all by yourself. You are everything, not you all by yourself, by, by abandoning everything. It is you have become everything yourself or you see everything in yourself. Or everything is nothing but your own reflection or your own reality reflected in them. So such a state is what is talking about Uttama Purusha means the ultimate existence. That the Purusha cannot be taken as an individual or the body. It is the existence of the ultimate existence. This is what is being told uh, to Indra by Rajapati as the state which one should know what is this beyond the Vyapriyam Vasandam Na Prashaha, where that, that both the Priya and Apriya, likes and dislikes, or you know, wants and no, not you know, want not. Nothing of that sorts of duality touches him. So what he says that is that you see a world and the Jeevan Mukta also sees the world. The one who has seen this Atma, become the Atma, knows the Atma and that realize that that is my reality. That is my true nature, not which I was identifying myself with the physical bodies of the waker, dream or deep sleeper. He, that person also sees this world, but he sees it differently from what you and I see it, because the difference is the instrument of perception. For us, the perception is through the sense organs and the mind and the intellect. For a Jeevan Mukta, he has become everything. Sarvam Apnodi Sarvashaha. 
he has become one and the same for every existence which we can think of. Such a, for a, such a person, the instruments of the five sense organs or the mind or intellect do not exist. As instruments for knowing, he becomes and knows everything. He doesn't see the reflection in the mirror. He has become the reflection in the mirror and he knows the reflection not separate from him. This is what was when Prajabhi said, Akshi Purusha, what is the one which you see in the reflection? When we see a reflection in a mirror or anything, we see ourselves separate and the reflection is separate from us because we are using an instrument of vision for it. At even Mukta, not only he sees in reflection, but he sees his reflection in everything. The things which cannot reflect also, he is reflecting himself. Is the, such a person, when he is reflecting, he is not seeing the reflection as a reflection. He becomes everything. So his instrument is different for what we are normally capable of measuring that. He himself becomes the instrument. And he himself becomes the object of measurement. He is the subject, he is the object, and he is the instrument through which it is being measured. So the subject, the object, the act of the subject objectifying something doesn't these do not exist separately for him. He has become that with which he is seeing and he cannot be called seeing at that time because the seeing is an act of separation. He has becoming one thing rather than a being. He is being or he is, he is being one with the subject in him. So poetically the Upanishads have said in some other places, Apani Pado Javanu Dakida Pasyatya Chakshustya Srunotya Garna. He he touches without the hands, he walks without the leg, he holds without the grip, he he embraces without embracing. Uh, he sees without seeing, he hears without hearing, he is everything. He doesn't need the instruments anymore. So such a state, he cannot be conscious of his body, which are the instrument through which he had been functioning till then. That is why he is called a Jivan Mukta. He is beyond the body. He is not only in one body, he is also in all the bodies. He is there in every body. Every object he has pervaded himself. Sarva Mapnogi Sarvastan. Whatever we think is his thought, or whatever we can think that he, the thoughts also are his only. He becomes the thoughts. He is the thought. And he, there is nothing that he is thinking of something different also. So even the, even the understanding or the perception, the act of perception is not a perception of something different from himself. The perception becomes a being for him. The consciousness of a particular body or object does not arise in such a person because all bodies, objects and everything are himself. 
he is everything so the upanishad says that he has no awareness of a particular nature of some body or some object or anything he is the supreme self manifesting itself as prana or the you know the atma the brahman as every word this was the subtle point which the which the prajapati could verbalize to explain to indra he said the same thing in his first statement now looking back what prajapati told to virochana and indra together is not different from what he is saying now he said to look at the reflection in the in the eyes he said look at the reflection in the bowl of water or wherever thing or anywhere you look that is the word he used you will see that purusha is it not what he has said what he has said now this person who has understood that beyond that the bodylessness he has become everything so what he seen as a reflection is not a reflection of his thinkers he has no instrument of seeing he has become the reflection or he there is no reflection separate from him that is why the reflection is used as an example in the vedanta and the upanishad saying that the pratima the word pratima is used in the gradarnya upanishad and which is why they think that the reflection is not separate from the one which is being reflected but we because our limited instrument of the eye we see the reflection as separate from the the object which is being reflected but for a jivan mukta there is no difference between the object the object reflected and the the back, the the perception of the reflection because for him he has understood the reality he has become everything so the object the reflected object and the perception of the instrument through which it is perceiving everything is his it is in one awareness or in one consciousness everything is happening so he doesn't see anything separate from him the separatedness is seen by us with a limited instruments when we are measuring and seeing it when we grow beyond the bodyless body state and the perceptions of the instruments of perception we cannot drop all the limitation which we are now being experienced through our physical body it is it is technically or intellectually very difficult for anyone to fathom to that heights when he feel that he is one with everything he doesn't see yatrana anyapasati anyatrunoti anyat vicharati he doesn't see anything different from himself because he is everything he has the knowledge of everything that but not by not seeing them separate but by becoming that and becoming that he doesn't separate it out he becomes one with it so there is only oneness in it 
Prajapati, who explained to him in such detail that it has to be a state of asadira. Beyond the limitation of the body, you have to rise yourself. As long as we identify with any body, whether it is a waking dream or deep sleep, doesn't matter. We cannot experience bodilessness. The bodilessness can be only understood when we become everything in the waking, everything in the dream and everything in the deep sleep. And it is known that it is in us all these things are happening. Where did the waking world and the world waker and the waking world exist? In our awareness. Where did the dream world and the dream object ex exist? In our awareness. Where did you experience the nothingness yet your own existence in our deep sleep? So other than us, in that awareness without beyond the body, when we use the body of the waker, we see the waking world. When we use the body of the dream, we use the waking dream world. When we use the body of the deep sleep, we have the deep sleepers. But we know that the changes, when we are changing one to another, so the death of one becomes the death birth of another one. We are seeing the birth and death of all the three states happening in us. The one who knows beyond that, he is the only person who can elevate himself beyond the three bodies to establish himself. And from there, when he looks down or when he looks through the experiences, he can see the whole projections were nothing but in him. And what he thought as the separate from him has no separatedness now because he knows by being the, because it is his own awareness which has become the world outside and the waker as the one. All those things, now you need to go beyond the limitations. It is very difficult with the mind and the body to fathom that, but it is definitely possible when you detach yourself from the body limitations of the mind, body, and the sense organs, you land yourself in a state where you are everything, you are not separating anything other than you. There is nothing to be known outside you. Nothing is separate. Therefore, no need of knowing anything separate from you. This state of supreme hood or the Uttama Purusha or Paramjyoti, that light of knowledge which is in which everything is shining, that is our true nature of the Atma. So now the Prajapati is further explaining to all the statements which he made from the beginning, which will continue in the next Wednesday. That is from the fourth verse on the chapter, on the section 12 onwards, which we will take it in the next class, continue from there. Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachete Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnaveva Vashishyate 
शांति 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 हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि ओम थैंक यू धन्यवाद नमस्ते बिंदा जी सो टुडे आई वांटेड टू आस्क यू इफ दिस लास्ट क्लास इज दिस थिंग अबाउट रिफ्लेक्शन व्हाटएवर इज हैपनिंग इज इट सिमिलर टू the concept in the first analogy of lakshnamurti the vishwam darpana so i think it you already covered it so i'm i was happy so it's it's like almost the same concept right in the first dakshinamurti shloka and this thing which brahmadeva is teaching yeah exactly that is the stotra but even in the brahadaranya the word pratima is used for the under making it understandable I think I like this mirror kind of example very much because even rope snake gives like a third objective feeling. Whereas if we really uh, think about the mirror example, it 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 gives a very subjective kind of feeling. So I, I like it. I like that analogy very much. Yeah, it's a good and good method of introspection. You can really use. if you can really get into the finer aspects of brahmdi entire discourse of yours and that of prajapati to virochana and indra the mind uh, that means my mind to be frank was aspiring to touch that state of mind perhaps i would get at some point where there would be that illumination there would be that it takes you nearer and nearer and nearer and nearer but again missing the point at the end and uh, maybe the we are not into that sadhana only through sadhana i think uh, it could be finally reached or whatever but you know even the upanishads with all its stupendous vocabulary and presentations would make us go very near to it but the final thing uh, i missed in the sense everyone misses the final point and only the jivan mukta state i mean only the jivan mukta would be in that state that's all we could conclude i feel <coughs> but there is a sense of uh i shouldn't say this because it would be a, a disgrace shown to the uh, great sages of upanishads but there is a sense of uh, disappointment and a sense of sorriness uh, because i couldn't go there i couldn't reach that this uh, this sense of incompletion uh, perhaps we are not jivan muktas that is the precise reason for that but apart from that everything was fantastic but of course this this is haunting this haunts a lot for reaching that state of mind thank you bindu ji yeah ganesh you are right see what happens is that this is the beauty of sound in the can sense that 
this parampara which we have been exposed to or we have been blessed by our stages by words of wisdom given by them if one has that shraddha and the absolute adherence of to the intended meaning of the words rather than logically trying to analyze the etymology or the you know other aspects of the word but follow the the intended meaning by the upanishad there is no chance that you will miss the point you will be landing in the right place what happens to most of us is that when we are almost there and we they think the tendency of the mind to lose its own existence is so strong it holds us back because we are we are so victimized by the strength of the mind that we are not able to abandon the mind and go to that state which the upanishad is taking us it is the words with which we have to go no doubt about it but a stage will come words will become an experience it will be no more words the words have the potency to convert sound into experience which we know even from our ordinary mundane life a good news come we feel happy a bad news come we feel bad all those experiences are potency there included in the words the same words when it is about talking about ourselves a state where we are beyond the body beyond the mind beyond the intellect we will reach the but at the same time the mind will hold us back this is what happens it is not the fault of the words or the upanishad as you rightly said we should not be criticizing or diminishing the you know the 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 rishis of the upanishad for that purpose but it is our limitation or our mind which is still not become purer or you know matured enough to catapult ourselves into that state is what is the reason why having seen it we comes back to our normal back this is because like the stretching of the catapult we we, we got the maximum potency to go to that outermost world but at the same time we didn't release that catapult so we remained where we started this is what happens to when we are listening to we feel that we reach the at the same to the mind doesn't allow us to release ourselves from that clutches of the mind it's very difficult but it is not impossible because we know there are jivan muktas who have demonstrated it and experienced it and we know that the upanishad is not telling a lie from that point of view because those who have 
taken themselves to that level has lived among us and explained and demonstrated it is possible but so for us be to rise to that level it is the the full onus and the falls on squarely on our shoulders how do we make it happen but it is possible i think it's only the shraddha and the steadfastness in sadhana and uh, uh, one day you were telling at the last stage it is uh, it is not the step that we take it actually that state accepts us it pulls us to its side so uh, there i feel the kripa plays the major role then uh, i mean with all our uh, shraddha and sadhra i believe and we have to take i think you have to tell us these words are the precise and perhaps the capsules of wisdom which have to be reminded time and again continuously to reach that state where we would be pulled by the kripa of the almighty and the uh, apart from these uh, words of the upanishad perhaps there are no other words there are no other ways to reach that state through sadhana i feel but the end end point would always be with the kripa i believe the kripa is also from our own it is our own atma there is no difference between we and the atma yeah yeah so the atma giving the kripa on us is we are making ourselves available is the kripa we are doing by the shraddha what you said and also when we are ready to have detachment to the perceptive the equipments with which we are is so conditioned are we ready to abandon them that is the kripa we can do on ourselves so the atma is we are the atma we have to do that so there is nothing separate from that so we should understand that even though the upanishad says that enaivam brunote that katopane that mundagopanishad mantra he said that that blessing is by our true self not by the ego so the the true self within us blesses the ego to abandon the ego or the attachment to the body and the sense organ then we are we have been that is why when shankara says nitya shuddha buddha mukta swabhava that is our nature nitya ever shuddha pure mukta free that that is our swabhava that is our nature but we limit ourselves with associating with our mind in the waking we limit ourselves with the waking world in the dream we limit with the dream world the deep sleep we limit with the deep sleep world but we are nine, never we have never been limited that is how we have to take ourselves the blessing shower ourselves with the blessing we are to bless ourselves by abandoning our limitations don't think you are limited you are the infinite why do you think we are limited the thinking that we are limited is the reason why we are limited 
abandon that yagenege amrutatva manasuhu and it says that by abandoning only you can become immortal what does it mean the abandoning the limitation which you are self imposed upon yourself you become the limited individual abandon that then you are the immortal thank you vidyoji for inducing us with such great words immortal words thank you very much namaste vidyoji so uh, so basically the upanishad so it says that when you are like you know body meaning the three states are kind of independent of each other right so like when you are in dream state you are not in waking state and so on so the the point is like you know in in soon after the dream is over we kind of get a glimpse of the dream in the sense that like you know uh, we we can say that uh, we know about a dream in the waking state uh but the waking state is not known in any other state right because there no other state to know the waking that waking state is a dream so one of the things that i uh, that i feel is that it is perfectly okay to create a space even in the waking uh, waking state and see the whole of reality as if it is an appearance and uh, you know in kind of like in awareness basically without any contamination and that way we can realize that it is a dream kind of a thing and uh, it is authentically it can be seen that way and it actually is independent of mind that's what i feel because many people interpret even this also as a state of the mind meaning it's just a variation of the mind and therefore they don't accept this possibility do you have any suggestions here or anything see the mind which we are using for waking and dream are the same only the conditions change from gross to subtle that is why the things which we see in the waking are there and available in the dream and the dream is remembered after waking is because we have the common mind there but the realms are different the rules and regulation the space time and causation of the waking is different the space time causation and is different from the dream but the measuring instrument be for both are where the experiences are felt is the same place that is why we have the common thing and the deep sleep is when the mind stops projecting the waking or the dream it becomes non existent that is why the amani bhava that the deep sleep takes place where there is no mind it is what is called that that being in a state of being without projecting anything that is be the cause the causal state with some some way some people explain it as a causal state from the the seed of the waking and the dream is available as a seed but not as projected but that's only for a you know explanation purpose technically or really speaking such a thing is not happen uh, but if you are looking at the upanishadic statement what upanishad says is that it is a state of existence and awareness nothing else is there 
so there is that what is called so prakashata or awareness of one's own presence but nothing else to be experienced therefore the mind is not there the mind is used as an instrument only when something else need to be projected and experienced this is what the reflection thing which is being told we need a medium to reflect that medium is the mind and in the mind when it is being reflected as the thing we reflect it as a waker and the waking world or a dream and the dreamer and the dream world but it is nothing but that it, the mind which is being created by the awareness and the mind is not different from awareness that's why we are able to cognize everything in the mind but there is a limitation to it because it's only a it's only a projection that is one way of some upanishads explaining the how the experiences of the world and the world dream is taking place but when it comes to this analysis of the dream waking and deep sleep and beyond that in that realm where we are talking about the supreme existence or the uttama purusha or you know swayam jyoti param jyoti whatever word we want to use it that state doesn't even talk about the creation or the projection or anything it is one ekameva adyutiyam brahma that is only one and only one the world of projection is not so as shankara acharya was talking the avidya is for the person who is thinking there is avidya really speaking avidya is not there or the world is not there i really speaking we are seeing the world because we have projected it and so we are seeing it. so for whom is the world the one who has projected the world that is how one has to understand so uh normally like uh, when ganesh prasad ji for example says that like you know there he's giving a report of uh, you know which obviously like you know recognizes the limitation and it hopes that that limitation goes away with sadhana or with some grace or something like that this itself is actually the use of the mind right it is the mind which is uh, fortifying its own presence and uh, you know yes. right that that's how i look at it that whatever you do it will all be mind and therefore that state is something totally external to this whole thing and whenever it happens they will come to know somehow uh, but usually the understanding is that the awareness is there through and through otherwise there would not even be cognition right there would not even be awareness that there is a dream that no awareness that there is a waking state and so on and so on so the awareness itself is there all the time and therefore that awareness can independently exist without the arising of the waking state or the dream state and uh, i think that can be recognized and it should be kind of uh, you know it can be seen directly and once that is seen directly the questions arising in the mind of the mind or whatever they'll anyway drop away because now that awareness is directly recognized so uh, that that's how normally i feel that you know one has to 
jump the gun so to say from the mind see there is no mind separate from awareness it is the imagination of the mind that there is a mind which is creating the mind and that is it is using the same awareness which is its nature it's it's difficult for that you know we have the idea that mind is separate and awareness is separate no all that is there is only awareness whether you call it as waking dream deep sleep or the mind intellect and everything all these things are aspects of awareness when we call it as mind intellect etc other than pure awareness there is nothing neha nanasti kinchana there is nothing other than that anywhere at any point of time otherwise advaita cannot happen if there is something else other than that advaita is not there but how can there be something other than that in any condition because from experience also we cannot say there is something other than that from analysis also we know that we know that there is nothing other than that but what is being seen as separate, separate and other is a imagination sankalpa matram with mandukya we discussed about it is a it is the awareness esha devasya swabhava it is the nature of awareness to be aware the the what is being aware if it assumes that it has a separatedness then it becomes the mind that assumption by the mind that it is separate from awareness is the beginning from where the whole thing starts that time the individual is created and the mind becomes an instrument for that individual to operate really speaking that aware apart from awareness there is no mind also yeah so that particular thinking that there nothing other than awareness itself be, cannot be a thought right meaning one cannot think like that in the sense it's just a realization that all this is like just awareness and uh, it's a self recognition is what i feel actually and uh, i mean normally that's how i put it but uh, i'm not oh, calling out see. as mind mind being separate but uh, i'm just saying that the awareness is mind when it is in the uh, in its experiencing itself as mind and the awareness is dream when it is experiencing itself as dream right so in that sense it's only one which is just appearing in different different states at different times the mind has to know what is its nature has the mind ever tried to find out what is my nature so at that time it just uh, dissolves into awareness right? yes mind becomes no yeah so yeah 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 hey, thanks pindaj namaste sir <coughs> simmer wrote to you bindu ji i am confused about one thing when someone on this earth in these times who were declared as jivan muktas who decided that they were ones did the person himself declare if not in that case how can one who themselves are not free declare another as jivan muktas this is part 1 and part 2 is Does Jivan Muktas? So again, it's the same question. I think does Jivan Muktas themselves declare themselves to be the one, or the other, 
others who themselves are not jivan muktas decide for someone else if one is jivan mukta question mark so simran we have to understand that jivan mukta is a definition given by us for people who have experienced that realm and are able to talk from that level of their experience they don't call themselves as jivan mukta because for them they don't see something different from them to call me a jivan mukta call a you a jivan mukta others we all others will talk about the jivan muktas and states and everything from the jivan muktas point of view he doesn't see anything other than himself anymore but when he talks from that level the others who cannot see from that level what he is talking such people will call these people for example when you look at what nesada gadatha maharaja ramana marshi or ram sri ramachandra paramahansa all of them has mentioned we cannot go to that realm under on which from where the pedestal from where they were talking they never said they are jivan mukta because they don't see themselves and others different but since we cannot go to the pedestal and from where they are talking we call them as jivan I hope you are clear about it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Vita Ji. Yeah, Hari Om, this is beautiful. The, uh, so um, it, it was just really beautifully done. And um, this whole, role, this whole uh, situation of talking about um this awareness then how you talked about it as being only with itself um you know it's not necessary of course to have talked about this or read about it to to discover it but it is what i'm watching so much in these rooms because it's it's really new to me to to see this um you know i think these phrases like uh uh it's what is present or the self and all or you are awareness that's one thing but it seems like another thing to actually have these these texts and this discussion where there's this this like this level of um immediacy that i never uh, knew people actually talked with each other like this till i found these rooms um and that it could be pointed to ahead this is kind of what was spoken of a couple of Uh, a little earlier in the question and answer it can be pointed to ahead um and even pointed to as terms of where something could be discovered uh like in dreamless sleep um and we talked about this in in the bandukya but it seems like it's actually getting um i don't know closer in the way more formalized the way it's being talked about now and um i think that there seems like there's a flip side where sometimes it's not beneficial to to talk at this level i have not been i don't know the tradition of doing this so this is kind of why i'm bringing this up um like you say you can't imagine this a person can't imagine this um and yet you know in the last year or so i have revisited some current advaita teachers uh, due to being in these rooms like uh videos and things that people recommend i really put that aside a long time ago but um i even feel that in some of these popular teachers that it seems like they've tried to imagine and they have thought 
that something was seen, but when when someone like myself listens to them, it uh, seems like they stopped short of something. Um, and so it almost seems like having ideas ahead of time uh, can also um, be problematic. And um, so to just end, and then I'd love to hear what you have to say, um, I have just been uh, just so much enjoying, and it's so new to me to watch uh, since before you started the Mandukya and through that till now, how, you know, you, you really go step by step. And at, at some of the earlier steps, I, I wondered, well, why isn't more depth being talked about yet? Um, and then over time, I realized that um, it seems that you don't just jump the gun and, you know, uh, say the deepest things. It's really as a it's kind of like a guided walk. So uh, I, I'm really, really loving being here. Thank you. Thank you, Agnes. We need to develop the mental capability in stages. The truth is only one. A simple statement, Sarvam Khalidam Brahma or Aham Brahma or Sarvam Brahma or this one statement is enough for, for the person who is apt or right. But that is not the case with the more, all of us. We need to develop the capability of mentally elevating ourselves at different levels from them, from the physical being identified as an individual physicality, even to go to the mental level. Itself is a very difficult task for most of the people. But because they identify mind as part of the body, so any body problem, they identify themselves as their problem. That is how the identification of the body and the mind to such people are there. Then to disconnect the mind from the body level, to have a standalone capacity to think about itself, to analyze itself about itself, its own vagaries of pressure and pain, etc., to be seen as the act of the mind but not related to the body is a much difficult task for the other people. Only people who can come to that level can be further that no, this is not the end of it. There is further things you can do about it. Using the mind, you can cross over the mind. But don't let the mind grab you back and pull you down again. For that, you can. You have to train your mind. This is what I was telling Ganesh Devotee. So that is the aspect which I would say. That is why the, the process of I'm sticking to a Upanishad is that all the Upanishads have taken stage by stage the student has been taken. But if you are talking on a public platform or a YouTube or a, in a lecture series where you know you are addressing so many people, you can talk from different levels. It really because you are not taking the entire crowd with you, but you are only giving glimpses of what it is like so that they get interested and then they start studying more. So such times when you listen to that, you will not be able to graduate yourself from the body to the mind and the beyond. The so this is the what I felt that it is the best way. Otherwise, I could have also been in the clubhouse discussing 
question and answer session like most of the other times teacher we are doing before i started the upanishad but why did i start the upanishad is that then i so that you know let let there be a training method by which you know the graduation of the individual takes place from the association to the physical body to the mental to the beyond that is how this whole process has evolved till now thank you so in a more traditional setting say before there was any kind of electronic communication um and again this is because i'm really deeply interested how uh how the traditions that you've associated yourself with um carries itself forward because it has so much uh value and um and wisdom it seems like in the process so in a traditional setting how was the interface between uh um those who had i, I was going to say beginner but you never know what a be some beginners it's their whole life um those who have really little insight uh and those where you know um there's a lot of insight but there's still the the interest in exchanging with people short of being a teacher how how do all those how did all those uh, people integrate themselves into actually having discourses or not see if we look back into the history these teachings existed even before printing or even writing in the form of scriptures came up it was more of an oral tradition but what was the tradition at that time the tradition was that you know a learned teacher his house itself is the teaching ground where students from the nearby houses maybe those who have hamlets those days or things like that or a smaller village they used to send their boys when they were five years old or things like that to this teacher and the households also supply the you know grains and the other things for maintaining the food system in those teachers places so the teacher his family his wife his children and his children of the age who are educating capable of also join the other students they were not all the time being taught like a school or a college which is the today traditional while doing their work the students were free to ask a question so they most of the students who were told taught they were doing either cattle rearing or doing the you know chopping of the wood or you know cooking for the uh, the whole community like that they will be be doing but at the same time they will be thinking about what has been taught by the teacher in between they get an ah wow moment and they rush to run to the teacher because he is also staying there only and he will go to the teacher and ask is this what i'm thinking i am getting a insight into this am i right or wrong he will ask so when he is explaining that to the teacher the other students who are nearby also will be listening to them but they do not have the insight what this boy would have had so they will also listen to that that will help them to do mananam for continuously further mindful you know analysis of what is being told so this type of a passing on the information some of them on a 
better level of understanding some of them on a lower level understanding they all got exposure to the same explanation from the teacher at different levels but it is up to the individuals who are putting more effort by the manana they were able to grasp and move forward faster this was when the oral oral tradition was going on then came the the teacher teach taught by the regular you know what you call systematic way where they used to have the rules of getting up at a time then doing certain you know rituals then there used to be classes break for you know food etc etc there it was the word like the classroom system developed and that is the time when the scriptures you know writing and passing on that some of them were very adept in writing fast into the leaf by using sharp you know in uh, the pins or you know tools which were they can write so those who were smart or you know you know with great capability of writing they didn't give much mental input for analyzing mentally but they contributed by writing them onto the palm leaves or the you know the leaves which were supposed to be written by this those became the records which was further used by the teacher by sharing it with the students and studying it that didn't mean that the, those who not they could not use their mental capability but they contributed by writing were treated anyway inferior to the other students they were all given this thing and those people are the people mostly who have taken to the family life and they they contributed their might by way of family members and all but those who are mentally adaptive to the teaching and everything became teachers themselves and they started teaching them their children so that way the gurukula system proliferated and became multi locational multi you know level students in and it's not only for vedanta all the other systems of the you know lamimamsa tarka nyaya vyakarana all of them had the same syllabus or same methodology this is how things evolved over the period and then later came the further advancement which we are seeing today so those from those days people started using printed books even today the ashrams are most of them are using printed books and they have the schedule of teaching some of those people says ashrams they have started releasing their own teaching by videos and the video recording cds and cassettes and now it is on online as the technology develops these systems also developed and embraced the development of the technology for passing on the information so if we are using clubhouse today it is only an extension of that tomorrow if it is chat gpt which can come and helpful we should jump to chat gpt and use chat gpt to pass on this information nothing should stop us limit us from you know cocooning ourselves into you know this is a sacred knowledge we should keep it with a certain people only no way it is meant for all anovanda kratavo yendu vishada that is what the rigveda says let the noble thoughts come from all the corners of the world we are welcoming that and we will include that into our system of education and that way it becomes universal education it is not controlled by 
Hinduism or in Indian Indian philosophy or anything like that. It is talking about human experience. It didn't ask you whether you are a, you know, from the western side or eastern side or you are a male or a female, you are young or old. No questions are asked. If you are interested in, come, here is the teaching. Are you ready to apply to your own yourself, to your own mind and develop yourself? Yes. If you are not able to do that, yes, we have the other systems like where you can practice yoga, meditation, dhyana, japa, or devotion. What are applicable to you, you can accept that. So that is why the universality of this teaching is so good that nobody is left behind. If what if that person is a dollar, doesn't have any capacity to, such a person is also used for doing the, you know, karma yoga by doing the seva. Helping the kitchen or helping the rearing the cattle, or even today in the ashram, such people are used for, you know, doing the service in the ashrams. That they are not left out. Nobody is denied the opportunity to learn. The capacity is what is your measure with which you should decide where you should place yourself. But you are all, all of us. That is how we should flow. Yeah, uh, you know, what we're saying that in the beginning, you know, hundreds or thousands of years ago, there were just the human beings, like you're saying, uh, interacting, memorizing things, speaking to each other. And now so many stages have been added where it can be written, um, where uh, it's almost like there's more and more opportunity both to be exposed and, and have an opportunity, but there's also more opportunity to, um, I don't know, almost like take the life out of it or imitate things. Um, and I feel that here on Clubhouse, um, there's such a actual mix of anonymity and and real intimacy that's developing with some of us say who are in this room right now and there's a process of uh i perceive that there's a process of in a sense um i'll speak for myself you know looking for how to be responsible of um of uh finding what the way is you know and finding where the place is to make statements or or ask questions, and um, there's, it's such a change that it's not just obvious how how this might be best done. And there's that I'm trying to remember this word. Um, oh yeah, parasocial. There's this word parasocial. I think that's what it is now, where people will be online, uh, like watching a podcast every week, for instance, and the the listener feels that they know the person who's the podcaster because they've heard so much about them and their life and their kids. But the podcaster doesn't know them at all. Um, so it's a parasocial situation where we can artificially uh, feel we have a relationship. And I do think in these, uh, like with what's going on in these classes and so forth, that there's a responsibility. And that sounds too formal because maybe there isn't really. But, you know, that to, to pay attention to what's happening. And be willing to, and that sounds wrong, too willing, but we are part of how it's evolving into the future. And, um, 
And like I said, the way you're doing this step by step and the amount of patience uh, or seeing that that's the only way it can happen rather than just jumping to the conclusion is, um, you know, I, I really didn't know that uh, traditions had it like this. So I've said enough, but thank you very, very much. Yeah, the difference between the other chat and uh, you know the chat programs which we have within Amazon podcast or Spotify or other places that the podcaster has no, as you rightly said, no knowledge of the listeners and their you know potency or capability or anything. But that is what is overcome in a clubhouse room like this, where. We are not asking the personal side of anybody who is uh, coming to talk. But there is a level of intimacy, as you said, that your interest is definitely seen in the words what you use it. But I've never, never, we have never, none of, I don't think anybody would have asked you about which part of the world or where you are staying, what you are doing, what's your age or how many family or details or nothing. We are not interested in that. We are interested in our common interest and that way we maintain our privacy at the same time we have a feeling of connectedness that is the beauty of these rooms yeah it's, it's interesting for sure um and it i like i think that there's a for, for some people there is a great value and recognizing the the novel kind of uh, balance of intimacy and privacy and deciding what people, it's, it can actually be like it's called for to expose ourselves more. You know, I keep, <laughs> I think you and I are, are playing this out and, and, um, and to see what it is. And then there, there are a few people on the stage that I've, I've gotten quite close to and yet, because it seemed like that's what was called for to to perpetuate the cycle of um of insight and um yeah it's it's something else and it, you know sometimes so sometimes when unlike today sometimes when i'm really quiet uh, and i have so much going on inside of me and the whole room will be quiet and it's fine to be quiet but i do wonder sometimes if there's a uh actual something calling to extrovert ourselves enough that we truly know each other and are having this dialogue as opposed and are, are asking our questions and stating what we see rather than just um showing up and it all and it being say mostly from your side uh i feel that that we all have a role in perpetuating the goals of the, these rooms by by not being too parasocial say with you in the classes Yeah, see, I personally feel that a soliloquy or self-dialogue has more effective and successful rate than a, you know, interactive talk with multiple people there and there. Because what happens is, at least I'm talking from the point of view of the Advaita Vedanta study. Because the reason is that the multiple views which will come, sometimes, you know, 
generates more doubt or more uh, confusion in the thought process okay uh, it it is easy for initial stages that you know you can be disturbed by these interactive talks but once you are almost established or you know you are in the right direction these type of interactive questions can be helpful because the churning of the mind takes place fully at that time so there is a benefit at the same time there is a disadvantage depending upon where you are placed just so i i i really agree i agree with you when you are saying that you know that that the utility of the room there is utility at the same time it can be also detrimental in the sense that you know some of the discussions take you far away from what it is to be discussed and then there is normally such time places i have seen that people who are not interested do not stay long they just exit the room but those who are staying there then some of them are doing it out of i don't know for what reason they continue or they are interested in discussing everything under the sun maybe i have no idea about that their attitude and their behavior but from the point of view of advaita and everything i find once you have understood the fundamentals a self dialogue which we which we call it as mananam in the sanskrit terminology asking yourself the questions and doubts clarifying trying to find an answer because you know the fundamentals find the answer by asking yourself the question that definitely helps one to affirmation of the fundamentals which you have gathered in your study that definitely helps uh, namaste vinod ji namaste ji uh vinod ji so uh, earlier in the uh, you were mentioning about like uh, this atma right like uh, that even to call it as a person is uh, just a limitation of uh, language but uh, but can, is it possible that this thing is just like a random uh, uh, i mean basically everything is just random and then there is no purusha and is that like the can that be understood as like uh, the swarupa of uh, atma vidoji uh, because if you say that there is no purusha then what is the swarupa like is it just randomness what 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 you call randomness is a technical term which is not used in advaita the advaita doesn't have the word random there is nothing called random in advaita the what it is says that it's not a purusha means the word purusha has got technical meaning in vedanta is that purushayanat purusha means one who resides in the body that way we cannot say atma is limited to the body that is why when i said you cannot even call it as a purusha it is to indicate that it is not a restricted by a physicality or a bodiless body bodiness with which it can be contained in even though it expresses through the body 
it is like the you now the space is expressed through a room but the room is not the space like the same way the body we call it as a purusha it is when it is functioning through the body we have the functionality of the awareness reflected through the body but that pure awareness is not the reflectedness through the body but it is beyond it that's why we cannot even call it as a purusha so i don't want to use the word randomness or random Namaste, Bintuji. Namaste, Jaya. Um, first, I want to very briefly acknowledge you, Artemisia, because what you just said about the the you know the podcast and the listener are feeling connected. It, it just maybe it's just a coincidence that I was actually uh, you know pondering something like that. Um, I just came across something. where i was listening to something on youtube and then uh you know i met the person live and so i i could really relate to what sort of you were saying um okay then now back to the the question uh, bindu ji two things the first one was about what you said about and it's always uh, it's already come up many times before as well about uh, you know the states deep sleep ends or you call it a death uh then the waking state comes into being so until these words are said honestly one doesn't necessarily think of it as that way when truly just thinks you're going to bed you're going off to sleep the body is there you're just relaxing you're sleeping and when you wake up then you start moving around so you don't really think that the body is not there when you're not sleeping and i've heard a reference to that a few times in advaita that when you're asleep there's no body so i don't necessarily think that there is or there isn't so when it is mentioned in this way then one can say okay something may be ending you can you can definitely see the logic of that but just in sahajta like when you go off to sleep and when you wake up the, from just pure awareness one is aware that now that one is awake one knows that was a dream and is not holding on to it and it already on its own is not letting you hold on to it it's fleeting away right um and the importance of whatever was in the dream is not there in that way like you don't need to attend to it so all of that is very clear but that doesn't uh make one feel unless one again reminds oneself of the pointer that okay the something that is common between all three um is now being distinguished between the three states like the the waking state is the only time you're in the body kind of thing uh this has to be like a reminder this isn't like your own inner awareness of it automatically unless it has been said at least for me i'm saying i mean i'm okay to <clears throat> sort of say that right because i i don't start with the assumption that when i'm asleep the body is not there i i take that take it that the body is sleeping i guess i mean i haven't thought about it being there or not being there but if i had to i'd probably just say that body is sleeping 
So I wanted to, you know, like hear a little bit more on that. Um, and if one more point, if I may ask. So sometimes, uh, you know, the word shunyata binduji, and we talk about emptiness or the void. Here it has, it doesn't have a negative connotation. And uh, so what I, I was wondering if you would shed some more light on why people uh, feel the negative connotation of that word. So we once spoke to a guard who was working in a beautiful farmhouse and uh, it was a very big open space. You know, like in a big city, you don't get places like that, which are not noisy, not cluttered. His job was very easy because he just had to open the gate for one person who lives there. And then he had no more work. And uh, when we asked him, he said he wanted to leave his job because mujhe shunyata hoti hai. And so that when he said that, if he's leaving the job for that reason, then obviously the shunyata here has a negative connotation. That that emptiness uh, that was felt by him was enough for him to want to run away from a high-paying job where, as well as you know, a, a place which was giving him such a positive work environment and everything because I guess it felt lonely or it, it felt empty and whatever it felt, shunyata is what he said. Um, so maybe... You know, here we see it as a, I, I won't even say a doorway into oneself. We see it as oneself. So maybe just these two questions. Thank you. See, why we are saying that in deep sleep there is nothing, there is no body, is from the point of view of awareness. Are you aware when you are in the body, in the waking, you experience your body. The waking body is not experienced in your dream body. There your experience is there, but you do not know what body you are having. Depending upon what is experience, you say what is your nature of experience. Which negates that the waker's body is not in the dream is the reason why I said the change of the, the one dies and the other comes up. In, not in the sense that physically the waker body is dying. The physical body, what we are saying, is not experienced in the deep sleep. The deep sleepy is not from the point of view of the waker who says, I was sleeping in my bed and I knew nothing as an experience by the waker referring to his absence of his experiences as a deep sleep. No. Here we are talking in each of the experiences what was your awareness. That is how we have to look at it. Not being explained by the waking individual giving justification for his time and what he went through at different points of his day. No. That way we are not analyzing. When you were waking, you did not experience your dream or deep sleep. Even though, technically speaking, the three are always intermingled. Only the predominance of one overrides the other two. 
in the waking we have daydreaming and there are moments of blankness which cannot be called as deep sleep but at the same time it is it tantamounts to blindness same is the case in the dream also same is the case in the deep sleep the deep sleep is predominant but we have lucidity of some experiences which we call it as a dream and then suddenly we may remember a mosquito bite or some sound which woke us up that waking comes and immediately we go back to sleep back to sleep so these type of things are happening as a general practice but that is not the analysis what vedanta is talking about vedanta is talking about awareness point of view what was your experience from that point of view what was the experience of the deep sleeper is he did not know whether he had a body mind or the space and time at all all was there that there was no experience was the experience that is the reason why it is said nothing exists being experienced now coming back to your second question about the shunyata shunyata is defined by nothingness but the problem is that nothingness need to be known to somebody who can define there is nothing suppose if i say enter a room and if i say there is nothing in the room doesn't mean that the room has no air no light nothing no those are all understood that i am not referring to the light or the air but there is no furniture or no nothing in that it is a blank room same way that guy in the garden or watchman who was saying that shunyata mehsoos ho raha hai is feeling the loneliness because only one man is staying in the house he is wanting to have interactive life in his place which is absent in that location therefore he wants to leave the job it is from the point of view what you are what you are intended by the word shunyata means so the shunyata what we are mentioning here is that when nothing else is being experienced other than yourself it is tantamounting to an absence of everything other than the one who is acknowledging that absence he cannot include his presence there to say that there is no shunyata because he is the one who is observing other than himself everything so from that point of view he can say shunyata but technically speaking it is not 100% shunyata because the observer who is observing the shunyata is the therefore it is not absolute shunyata it is a relative shunyata that's all what we are talking about yeah so uh, shunyata is matlab anand mein hona chahiye na Yeah, it's the knowledge. It's it's the being with oneself, or being in presence, or being present. And yet, uh, for beings, it's an unpleasant experience, or it's something they want to run away from. जबकि हम जो बात कर रहे हैं यहाँ पे, it's about when, like, let's say, some of the masters. 
pretty much clearly use the statement leave everything else aside leave your thoughts aside leave this aside you know sit with yourself sit in silence to wo hai to shunyata hi to isme dar lagna aur ye sab hona we can understand ki kyon ho raha hai but maybe i wanted to sort of hear from you more that kyon ho raha hai aur kaise usko koi samjhe so that instead of running away from shunyata wo uh, you know usi se us tak pahunche if you really analyze happiness and sorrow you will find that for the sorrow to happen there should be something other than the one who is experiencing something should trigger the sorrow even loneliness can be a sorrow i'm not denying that but the loneliness is a projection of wanting something other than itself as the cause for sorrow not because it is all by himself no by wanting something other than himself that want is creating the sorrow of the loneliness now if you look at happiness happiness can be triggered by something present there but when nothing is there if you don't have even the want for something else you cannot say you are experiencing sorrow that state the absence of sorrow but at the same time nothing is there to disturb the the equilibrium or the status that is a state of happiness which is what is referred as the pure happiness the word pure comes from that because nothing other than that is there so the pure happiness is the happiness when the awareness or the individual who has identified himself with awareness is all by himself he doesn't need anything more than himself because he has no want for something else other than himself so there is nothing which is giving him or her a need for something other which is cause which can cause pain. happiness or sorrow in the absence of that he is all by himself and that is the pure happiness the other happiness which we get all all relative happiness which has a beginning a happiness period and an end of happiness period therefore they are transient in nature not permanent in nature so the pure permanent nature is in the pure being and the pure being is the nature of pure happiness so in that one if one can see that complete of satisfaction within oneself there is no need for anything else this is the achievement what is called that purnata or the completeness that is what is to be attempted and achieved so uh, bindu ji just to conclude how 
I don't know if you you know said something about this I or I, I missed it but how does one transition from shunyata being something that is uh, leading to you know uh, unpleasantness for someone or intimidating to uh, the real uh, you know essence of it where it is not that way whereas being with your own self right and not needing anything from outside so it, this makes this is clear that you know uh, being with oneself and not needing anything we can't even call it a goal really but this is what we are uh, to the way we are experiencing life like in this example where one self is really what one is running away from or whatever or from being in that shunyata so ye isko aasan karne ke liye kya pehle hum samjhe ki kaise idhar se abhi hai to wo hamesha yahi pe but you know the experiencer is transitioning from wanting to fill up or whatever being un- uncomfortable or un- with un- uh, feeling unpleasant with shunyata to being shunyata itself or to reveling in it kya change hota hai ek to understanding is the, the main thing right and, and if there's anything else please do conclude it we to conclude it is you should know where is that need located the need is located in the mind which is habituated to multitude it is not habituated to self happiness or loneliness or aloneness therefore the mind will be triggering for multiplicity or activity that is why the shastra says it is the mind which is the cause for the happiness and sorrow when you can locate where is the trigger taking place and isolate it because it is not you because you are observing that need for it so the need is happening not as part of your true nature but as a need created by an instrument called mind which thinks that there is a need for something so once you are able to locate the source where it is happening and isolate it that will not get the power to and and catch and encapsulate you or take you away from your own happiness and that state where the mind loses its potency to demand the need becomes fragile and weak and virtually it vanishes it becomes a natural process once you keep practicing it and avoiding controlling your mind that way you will be in a position to you know remove the potency of the mind and then you are in control of this
that is the time when you will need nothing other than yourself in this world atmarati atmakrida atmatrupavana that is the word one is fully in himself all by himself wanting nothing else that is the param happiness or uttama purusha or param state where one doesn't see anything other than himself doesn't need anything other than that but if that the otherness itself has no meaning for him because there is he doesn't see anything other than himself that state of pure being or awareness is what the upanishad is asking us to achieve Gindalji, you said that mind is triggering for multiplicity, and uh, when it is watched, uh, you know, then obviously you can see the source of it. But the only problem is that when it is at play, when it is happening in that way, it feels real, right? The impact is there, right? So. if i if i if i would even say to someone let's say this conversation is which was happening with me earlier with the you know he's saying this he would say you know but i still feel the need so while somebody feels they feel the need uh my question was more pertaining to that that in at that time when you know just looking at it let's say you are in the throes of it or whatever it is you're not able to sort of identify um in a way where you are decide identified where there is a distance between you and this you feel i am feeling this right so the mind is um uh, feeling what all of this but you the looker feels says i am feeling this and that that that's what the real problem is right so yeah there's only two things there either you can just tell yourself that well this is just the mind and even though it feels this way right now you know so uh, would you then go along with what you're feeling in the mind or because at that time to resist it would be a resistance really that you know but even though it's a resistance coming from knowledge that no this is just the mind and i understand i'm not the mind but you are feeling impacted by the mind at that time you are having to little bit curtail it it's not naturally that you are not feeling the impact of it so with wisdom you can either not go along with it but you still feel the bite right because it's still feeling whatever is feeling but you are having the wisdom to know that well a reminder to yourself and, and of course something can be seen that yes this is a thought or whatever but the problem is the impact of it right the energy is there as well and uh, so so me that's why i was asking uh, earlier i think i don't know if i asked you this about when uh, nisargadatta maharaj says i leave my sort of earthly nature to play out the way it will so what does it mean that if if something is playing out in this way do you just let it play out even though you know that the wisdom is that there's no need to go along with the mind you know i mean do you 
because repression is of no use right so i don't know if i was able to sort of i was trying to be brief so i don't know if i could clarify it yeah for so the your statement itself was very clear i feel the need so the feeling the need becomes what is that when you identify the i and the need in the mind as one complex entity and there if you do not agree that or apply your wisdom i am always there but the need comes and goes so the need is not my nature it is a nature of the location which i am identifying myself with which is the nature of the mind because when i identified myself with the mind the need was felt as my need till then it was not there but i i am always there whether the need was there or not i am always there so i that way you should be able to segregate yourself as the awareness and the need which is located in the mind where the identification takes on the role saying i am having the need so this type of a wisdom when it comes and you practice it that is the time when the statement of mr devat maharaja comes true he sees the world playing along he doesn't identify with the world which includes his body mind and intellect and the world because everything is functioning through his mind he is observing the world through his mind the world is experienced through his sense organs and the mind so when he says the let it i am letting it play to thing means he is no more identifying himself with the body or the mind or the expressions in the mind and he is seeing them as awareness separate and in which the body the mind and the whole thing plays around that segregation of the awareness from the mind is the reason why he made the statement you need to segregate yourself as awareness which knows everything including the mind and the needs in the mind then only you will be able to see from that point of um so bindu ji do you allow the mind to play out or do you say in awareness i can see this is not sensible let me not go along with it there is nothing called that sensible insensible is a word of the mind that is also part of the mind in awareness it's only awareness there is nothing called good bad ugly wanting not wanting nothing of that sort everything is that is of the mind the light doesn't differentiate between what is to be lit and what should not be lit the light is enshining everything the same way it is what the onlooker which decides no that it should not have fallen on that side it should not be on this side it is the one who with the mind which decides that the light doesn't take any choice same way awareness do not take any choice which should be in awareness we should not be in awareness or in the light of awareness so the mind also sensible and not sensible is not a question for the awareness to do it is a mind which remains a choice 
थैंक यू बिंदु जी ओके टाइम फॉर मी टू रिटायर थैंक यू ऑल आई विल टेक यू सी यू ऑल नेक्स्ट वेनेसडे कंटिन्यूइंग प्रजापतिस डिस्कशन हरि ओम थैंक यू बिंदु जी हरि ओम गुड नाइट बिंदु जी गुड नाइट